struck me in the heart. Good morning, Creekside. Good morning, online community. Wow, so blessed to see everyone gathered together. If you're visiting with us, thank you so much for choosing Creekside for our Easter Sunday celebration. We serve a resurrected Savior. Easter is doubly special to us. We launched this church six years ago in 2016 on Easter Sunday. So not only do we celebrate the risen Savior, we celebrate that God is just continuing to do great things. He is a God of resurrection, restoration, and reconciliation. This morning, we're going to look at a message that I prepared called The Risen Kingdom. Uh, We talk about Jesus. Most everyone knows Jesus rose from the dead, as we've sang, as we've seen in this video. But he not only himself rose, when he rose, he initiated a kingdom. And we're going to look at kingdom. And we're going to kind of unpack that and what it means with us today and how we can take some practical applications to our own life. Now, you probably know the backstory that on that day, on that Friday, that Good Friday we call it, but it wasn't so good for Jesus, if you know. In the evening time, he finds himself standing before Pilate, and Pilate's given him the third degree. He has been tried illegally in a Jewish court. They've bumped him up to the Roman court, and Pilate is here just giving him questions. Pilate really wants to do the right thing, but he's pressed in by the situation. But I want to play off, and we're going to look at some Easter texts, some lectionary texts, but we're going to start here in talking about kingdom because Jesus says some really unique things. In John 18, 36, when questioned by Pilate, Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. I want you to think about that. He's basically saying it's not an earthly kingdom. It's a heavenly kingdom. If it were, my servants would fight To prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom, my kingdom is from another place. Now you might find it interesting that the word kingdom is used over 182 times in the New Testament. Jesus himself used it 106 times in all four gospels. But interestingly enough, the word church is only used three times. Now, I'm not really going to put those against each other, but I want you to get that Jesus talked way more about kingdom than he did about church because it's about a risen kingdom. It's about the kingdom that's coming. It's the kingdom that he established. And that word church is only used in the book of Matthew for you Bible history books. So let's look at this risen kingdom today. We're going to look at some New Testament passages that point to All of the aspects of the kingdom that Jesus established, what it means to us, and why it should be so important. In Acts chapter 10, 34 through 43, and Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. God wants everyone to come to him. But he accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. Because God was with him. Look at verse 39. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross. 
But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people again, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and dead. All of the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So the first point we want to say about the risen kingdom is this. The risen kingdom is a witness to the world. And if you're a born-again believer, you're part of that kingdom, you're part of that witnessing group. The fact that we have the distinction in Christianity, we serve the only risen Savior. All of the other heads of religion are still buried somewhere in the ground, but Jesus is alive and is seated at the right hand of God. That's our distinction. That's our witness to the world. 2 Corinthians 15, 19 through 26 If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are all people most pity. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For as in Adam all die, watch this, so in Christ, in Christ, all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him, his kingdom subjects. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom. Jesus isn't keeping the kingdom. He's doing the work God has given him. Watch this. When he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. The risen kingdom is a kingdom of hope. And that hope is only found in our resurrected Lord, Jesus Christ. The risen kingdom is only through Christ. And as we read, one day Christ will give it back to God. It will be the kingdom eternal. And after Jesus puts down every foe, every illness, every part of darkness that can be put down will be put down by Jesus one glorious day. That is the risen kingdom few other verses, 2 Corinthians 4 and 14, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. Colossians 3, 1, since then you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. That's a scriptural truth. Paul would write the Roman church in Romans 6, 5, for if we've been united with him like this in his death, that's accepting him, believing him, being baptized into his name, we will certainly also be united with him in the resurrection. From this, we can establish that the risen kingdom is available and it's promised to those who have believed and obeyed the commandments of Christ. Those who have believed and claimed the good news of the gospel, that Jesus is the Son of the living God, and make that confession and follow him in obedience. Philippians 3, 20 through 21 says this. I love this passage. But our citizenship is in heaven. I want you to think about that just a minute. You know, if we went out of country, we would have to have a passport. And on that passport, it would say that I am a citizen of the United States. But look at what 
Paul wrote the Philippian church. And I want you to think about that. Our citizenship is in heaven. And sometimes we struggle with that, don't we? Because this world, we have our families. We have things going on that we want to cling to. But it's like that old hymn some of us used to sing. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. It's a kingdom mindset to know that this, this really is a dress rehearsal. This really is just us coming to know God and getting ready for what is about to happen one day with a glorious kingdom we can step into. So Paul says our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Can you believe that? Can you, can you imagine? I really can't fully imagine what that day looks like. Although, only thing I do believe, if the word says it's going to be glorious, it will be glorious. It will be an event like no other. The risen kingdom, then, is not of this world. And here's what we need to get, church. Neither are we. It's when we act like the world that we get in trouble, isn't it? It's when we listen to the wrong mindsets or we allow our flesh to lead us to things we shouldn't be doing, that we look more like the world. That's a big, that's a big argument from the non-Christians on these days uh, that they call. I've used this example before. They've had man-on-the-street interviews where they ask people, what do you think about Christians? And you usually hear the replies, oh, uh, they're judgmental. Oh, they're hypocritical. And interestingly enough, if you ask them, well, what do you think about Jesus? They say, well, I think of love and I think of grace. So how did Christians get separated from that? It's because they look a lot more like the world than they do where their citizenship should be. I'm going to act like an American when I'm overseas. I hope to bring honor and pride to the country that I love. Therefore, if you've been born again in Jesus' name, you ought to be acting like a citizen of heaven and not a citizen of the world. And if more Christians would do that, we would influence the world to come to this kingdom, the kingdom that is rising. Hebrews 12, 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and with awe. And then in Revelation eleven fifteen, the seventh angel sounded his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven which said, the kingdom of the world, watch this, has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Messiah and he will reign forever and ever. Amen. We get the final view. You haven't read Revelation, you need to. We've got a small group studying it and unpacking all kinds of things. And in the days that we live in, we should be paying attention to everything that's going on around us. But the takeaway from these two passages from Hebrew and Revelation is the kingdom of earth is becoming a risen kingdom of Christ. It continues to be a kingdom that brings people in. And it is one that is unshakable and eternal. We see Russia attacking Ukraine, trying to make that kingdom fall. The kingdom of Christ will never fall. The kingdom of Christ is eternal. The kingdom of Christ is immovable. The kingdom of Christ is unshakable. I don't know about you, that brings me comfort that I'm a citizen in a kingdom that no army formed against it will prosper. Nobody can take over. 
Remember, Satan tried. Look what happened to him. Michael and God threw him down. I want to be part of that kingdom. Do you? Is that the kingdom you want to belong to? So that's the question before you that you need to make a decision on. Are you part of that kingdom? Are you part of a risen kingdom? You need to know that Jesus equated receiving salvation with entering the kingdom. Do you know how I know that? Remember the story of a rich young ruler. He came to Jesus and said, hey, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? How do I get to heaven? You can phrase it many ways. What do I need to do to be saved? And Jesus hit him right where his hindrance was. He said, well, I'll tell you what. You want to be part of my ministry team. You want to follow me. You want to be a believer. Go sell everything you have and follow me. And the text says he went away sorrowful. But then Jesus says something really interesting. Jesus doesn't say, well, I guess he didn't want to be part of our crowd. Jesus didn't say, well, I guess he's not part of our church. What did Jesus say? It's so hard for a rich man to enter what? The kingdom. Why would Jesus say that? Because from day one, it's been about kingdom. It's been about drawing everyone we can into the risen kingdom of Christ. The day that he rose that we celebrate today from the dead. The power of God. The word says by the same power that raised Jesus from the dead will raise us also. And you can't have that resurrection power unless you've stepped into the kingdom. Unless you're part of that kingdom. He also explained that loss of salvation would be in terms of banishment from the kingdom. And even the message of salvation is called, quote, the word of the kingdom, Matthew 13, 19. So you see, beloved, you see, church, our hope, our comfort is said to be from entering the risen kingdom of Christ. And in order to enter the risen kingdom, you first have to be in a kingdom that's rising. There's many kingdoms you can belong to. You can belong to the kingdom of darkness. You can belong to the kingdom of depression. You can belong to the kingdom of insecurity. You fill in the blank. But to live forever, to accept the grace and salvation, the free offer of salvation from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you have to be in his kingdom that's rising. So it's, if we think of, uh, most of us would know this prayer. I'm just going to quote the last part of it. What does it mean to you when we say this? Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But I love this slide because look at it and, and, and grasp it. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in me. See, that's what I have control over. Amen? Is me. Whether or not I want to be in the kingdom. Oh, I can be influential. Uh, I've led my family to Christ. They're all believers. I've led other people to Christ. And not just because I'm a pastor, because I'm a believer. Please don't think you have to be a pastor, deacon, or elder to lead people to Christ. Read the Bible. All kinds of people are leading people to Christ. You and your walk and your witness, remember the first point, can influence somebody to be part of a kingdom that's eternal, a kingdom that's full of hope, a kingdom that's full of grace. 
a kingdom that's full of acceptance. Your kingdom come, your will be done in me, Lord, on earth, in my life as it is in heaven. So our prayer today, our hope today is this. May that kingdom come. May that risen kingdom be. And may God's will be done in all of us. So again, I ask you, are you ready today, this minute, this hour, for the kingdom to come? Let's pray together. Father, you've given us so much truth through your holy word. You've given us the example of your son that you raised up one early Easter morning to prove once and for all who has the power over death and life. And Father, we celebrate that today. We say thank you for these truths in your word. Thank you for the truth of the person in Jesus. Thank you for the, the accounts that of so many that saw him after the resurrection that he ate with, and that he fellowshiped with, and that he wants to have the same relationship with us today. Father God, my prayer would be that anybody listening online or anyone here in our chapel today, if they're not part of the kingdom, something that your word has said or done, something that they've experienced here, maybe today or maybe that's already happening in their lives, will move them to make a confession of faith that Jesus is your son, the true living son of God. And that they would be moved by the Holy Spirit in obedience to, to claim his name, to be buried again with him in baptism and rise in a newness of life so they could be part of that kingdom, the kingdom that's going to, when, when, when chaos breaks out is foretold, when this world winds down and evil is running amok, we want to be part of that risen kingdom, risen kingdom that's safe and full of grace and hope and protected by you, Jesus, who sits at the right hand of God at your throne, Lord. God, help us to celebrate you all day today. Help us to be part of a risen kingdom. Help us to take our witness in all the avenues we walk, at our schools, in our jobs, at the ball fields, wherever you take us. May our walk, may our life, may the things we say and do Father, may they reflect a witness to you, Jesus, and the risen kingdom of God. We pray this in the power of your Son, our Savior's name. In Jesus' name, amen.